It's the Cannon Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by the head coach of the Gardena Sarah High School football program, Scott Altenberg. Welcome in everybody to the Cannon Sports Podcast. I'm Phil George and our guest today, he's the head coach of Sarah High School in Gardena. He owns more than 200 wins over 23 years as the head coach of the Cavaliers and three state championships, Coach Scott Altenberg. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you on, Coach. Would you like to give a brief introduction and uh, let our let our viewers know about your background in the game of football? Well, I, you know, I've been at Sarah High School for 28 years total. Um, I was a, a born in the South Bay, went to Bishop Montgomery High School, uh, went to UCLA as a walk-on quarterback, got my master's from LMU, and uh, started Sarah High School as a 23-year-old uh, teacher and assistant coach, and I've been here ever since. So. It's been a great fit, and I'm you know, just excited and happy to be at my job every day. It's a great job. This program here at Sarah has a storied history, both in terms of team success and the amount of players that have gone on to have outstanding careers, both at the collegiate level, at the NFL level, and even off the field, uh, coming off of a state championship last year, one of three that you've won at uh, this program. This year, 4-4, four and four, the number 15 ranked team in the state, and coming up on the postseason here in just a couple of weeks, uh, this episode is going to be airing the week of your season finale against Chaminade. That's going to be a big, big game, but before we get into all of that, why don't you, in your own words, give our viewers a primer of where the 2022 season stands to this point? Well, you know, we've had uh, kind of an interesting year, you know, coming off a state championship you never really know, you know, how the kids are going to respond. Um, we have a lot of young guys, especially at the quarterback position. Early on, we lost a couple games. One to Orange Lutheran, the first game of the year, we should have, you know, we're up 14, maybe 17 points, end up losing in the fourth quarter, made a couple huge mistakes at the end. But, you know, young guys are going to do things like that. And then Long Beach Poly had a bad day offensively. They played really well. We lost that one. And then since that, we've been kind of on a roll up until last week where we lost a, a tough game to Sierra Canyon. You know, we're on the seven-yard line with three minutes left in the tie game. You think you got a real chance. And we just made a couple bad plays, and they ended up scoring and uh, beating us. So we are where we are. Um, I feel like we're a good football team. I feel like we're getting better early on. Our defense kind of carried us. And uh, as our young quarterback started to figure out the way to, you know, win games, and uh, that's kind of where we are. We we're um, excited uh, about the future, but we know that because of everything that's gone on, we, we've got go, to go to work. We've got to win at least one of these two games. Obviously, we're, we're hoping to, to win both. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's something that we feel like we're in a good place, even with the losses, uh, to, to do well uh, next level. Yeah, and I feel like if you look at uh, the... If you look at the standings and you look at the schedule and the record, the 4-4 four and four record really doesn't tell the story of this team and how exceptional they, they are. You know, like you said, of the, of the four losses, one of them was to Long Beach Poly, the number four team in the state, Orange Lutheran, number 11. And that was a game that was very, very close. I think it came down to, what, one, one point? I mean, one, yeah, yeah one, one point. And Sierra Canyon, which has had its struggles this year, but in the second half of the season has been 
you know, a, a completely different right. team, very resurgent. So, you know, even though the record may not exactly be where right. you want it, definitely a lot to, to be proud of. Um, you know, you mentioned some of the star young players on the team who are really coming into their own. What are some of the biggest highlights of, uh, of, of this team that you're looking forward to finishing out the season strong and as we head into the postseason? Well, I mean, first thing is, is offensively, we've, you know, we've been developing, you know, and I think uh, we've kind of built it around our running game be, uh, behind Sincere Rainey and Kai Honda. They've been huge for us, carrying the load all, all, all season. And um, now, as we've, you know, as Jimmy Butler, our sophomore quarterback, who, by the way, just turned 15 last week. So he's a young guy. And, um, you know, you put a young guy in these giant situations with these packed houses in these really important games, and they're going to make some mistakes. But I'm real proud of the way he's been developing. So I feel like offensively we're getting – you know, kind of catching up to where we normally are. Um, so I think that, you know, we, Zach Williams, a wide receiver who has uh, came to us this year as a transfer from St. John Bosco, he's a junior. He's been fantastic. Um, and then it's been our defense. You know, I think our defense struggled in the second half last week against the Air Canyon. They did a couple of really nice things uh, to take advantage of some things. And, um, you know, but I, I think that we, they've played well all year. We start playing better offensively. I think we're going to be a tough out. You know, I think I really do. So, you know, I'm excited. You talk about a guy like Jimmy Butler, like you right. said, a, a sophomore who's playing on a big stage and some big games and has had to grow up and mature as a quarterback really, really quickly. Um, you know, forgetting for the moment any, anything that he does the rest of this year to finish out this season, obviously, you know, you, you, want, him to, you want him to have success, play at a top level and, and win, uh, win the big games as we close out this year. What kind of position does that put him in to succeed his last two years of high school? Well, you know, the way or any, things are. Or any young player. Yeah, the way things are now, it's, it's about one year at a time. I mean, really get, I mean, it's funny because after our first few games, uh, I think I had probably 10 emails from parents like, hey, my kid's a quarterback. He's ready to come to Sarah and play right now. And I'm just laughing. I'm like, oh, man, we must be really bad on offense. I'm getting a lot of emails about, you know, people trying to, you know, send me their kids right now to play. And I'm, uh, so with that all going on, you know, Jimmy being able to kind of fight through that shows a bit of mental toughness um, that I think is a is really a key for a quarterback. And we've had a lot of success. I mean, we've had seven quarterbacks in a row uh, signed Division One scholarships. Uh, so, we, you know, that's kind of a big deal. You're, you're a young guy. You, you step into that. Um, but we, we're about learning. You know, like we sometimes some programs really worry about, who they play in their record. And I don't, my thing is I want to be good at the end, you know, so I'm not afraid to play the tough teams early because, you know, I want to win every game. But if we lose and we learn, then, you know, kind of like last year, we're, we're peaking when we need to peak. So, you know, that, that to me, a young player who learns and gets better and you see the growth, you see it's there. Now, some guys don't, won't be able to do it or maybe they just don't, don't have it to, to excel. Um, but you find that out, and that's one of the good things about having a good schedule. As we head down the stretch here in the 2022 regular season, two games left in the in the regular season, going to need a little bit of help. You know, we were running through it, uh, the, the scenarios before the sure. show. Going to need a little bit of the help to win that outright uh, 
playoff berth, right. but very likely to make the postseason as an at-large bid. Uh, with these final two regular season games and looking down the road to postseason, what are some of the biggest areas that you're focused on that you're really going to be paying attention to and that you feel this team needs to kind of tighten up in order to have the best chance to succeed? Well, first off, that we had a, um, a forfeit that we, uh, when we played Notre Dame, uh, we ended up, we had a kid who was a sit-out period kid who, you know, we had communicated with the CIF. We thought everything was fine. We made the error in not double-checking after we got all the information from them and ended up playing them seven plays in the Notre Dame game and had to forfeit. And, again, in the end, that's our fault. We didn't, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's, so we had to forfeit the game. I feel terrible for our team that we, you know, we did that and made that mistake, uh, which put us in, in more of a bind. And then losing, obviously, to Sierra Canyon last week doesn't help. Um, so basically for us, we, we're fighting to get, you got, we got to get 500 to get a, you know, at least be eligible to go. And then to get an at-large berth, um, our power ranking should be good enough, but you know, you never know with that. Um, but winning the last two games should put us in the third place spot, which would be an automatic berth. But we feel like, you know, that we will, if we get to 500, the schedule we've played and the fact that we've, you know, put ourselves against good teams should get us in the current system with the power ranking should get us to where we need to be. Um, but so we're just focusing on Alamany right now. Obviously Chaminade's such a great, um, great team and we've had such great games with them and so they always been a fun, a fun game. So, um, we'll, when that happens, we're going to, we're going to get going. But, uh, right now it's all about Alamany getting that win, getting us to the position where we know we're going to at least be 500 and then go for that win over, uh, Chaminade. With regard to the Notre Dame game and the forfeit, obviously, you know, whether you're a player or a coach, you, you just hate to lose yeah. a, a game like that. You hate to lose any game like that, but especially a game, um, you know, a game that results in, in a forfeit. But what I want to talk about is the positives to be gained from that and how your guys responded to that. I imagine there's a lot to be learned in the response that your team showed and the fortitude to you know, put it behind them and focus on the next man up. How did they? How did they respond to that situation? Well, first it was you know I had to respond appropriately because I was upset. I, I mean, this is my twenty third year as the head coach, and I've never had anything like this. You know, we've we've always prided ourselves in doing the you know doing the right thing and and following the rules. And in any time there's even a question, we investigate, we make sure, and, and we're kind of known for that. So for us to have to forfeit a game puts us you know it's just it's just not something we want. Um, but for the kids, I mean, you know, then we play Ahmad at home. Ahmad's a great team. And it's like, all right, now we got to win. And they came out and they played great and they won the game. So to me, I'm, you know, I think, again, that if you have to spin it, which you don't, you know, you don't ever want to spin, you know, that too much because you want always to, you know, you want to teach these young men to do the right thing and make sure you're following the rules and double checking um, and try to explain, you know, how that works. Uh, but, you know, they, they were able to overcome it. You know, we didn't blame anybody, which is important. We blamed ourselves, and then we, and then we did what we had to do, which was win the game. So, you know, for me, I feel like uh, it was, um, you know, it's disappointing because, again, as a person who's been 23 years and you, you think legacy and things like that, you don't ever want something like that to be say, oh, he's a cheater, this or that, because I don't, I don't believe that, you know, most people would say that about us. So. And that's also got to say a lot about the character of you guys to be able to have that mentality. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, and, and that's what, what are we doing, right? We're, we're, I'm not, it's not a college program. It's not a pro program. We're, we're, we're dealing with young men, most of whom will not play pro football, most of whom will not play college football. So the idea that there's character to be learned in football or in anything sport team-wise 
um, is, is big. And so I think that, you know, them learning that lesson and, and fighting through it and understanding that sometimes it doesn't go your way, but you got to keep fighting. I, you know, it should help us. Now we end up winning one of these two games or both of these games getting playoffs. You know, maybe that grit will uh, come with us and follow us through the playoffs. You said it just a second ago. Uh, most of these guys aren't going to go and play in college and right. in uh, in the pros. That's something that every coach is aware of, and that's why there's so much more that you have to focus on other than just building good football players right. and winning football games. I took a look at your bio on uh, on the on the Sarah High School website, and one of the first lines in the thing before it mentions the championships, before it mentions the experience in coaching. It says that you send 100% of your students to college. Yeah. Tell me why that's such an important thing for so you. So our school, uh, Sarah High School, is a really small Catholic school. I mean, we have less than 400 kids in our school, co-ed, right, 9th through 12th grade. So we have 180 boys in the school, 190-something girls. Um, and our goal is to get every single one of them to college. And uh, every year, 100% of our, our kids get accepted to a four-year university. And that's the... That's just the way it is. And that they don't sometimes they choose to go JC or something like that. That's that's okay. But they're gonna go to college. So for us, and that's kind of part of my mission over the years, I've had opportunities to go other places, college and different schools and stuff. And I just feel like the mission here is is special and it's important. And uh, the community we serve from from you know um, southern LA to Palos Verdes to, you know, you name it, even inland empire, we we really try to, you know, get those young men and women to, you know, buy into this place and buy into going to college and being, you know, they're kind of setting up their future. So that's a lot of why I'm here. So, of course, with regard to a player who really has a future in this game uh, as a scholarship player at a four-year university or even beyond that, there's obviously a very defined, very well-known role for, for the coach in, in that regard. Coach the kid up, teach him right. the skills he needs to, to succeed at this level and beyond. For a player that you know that their career, you know their football career is over once they leave here, but you still have an active role in getting that player to college. Sure. What does that role look like? So, I mean, on two parts there, the the, the part about the the young man that's not going to go to college that I am as proud as anyone as my you know as Robert Woods or Dory Jackson or any of those guys as the kid that comes back as a lawyer or a Titus Potter, for example, a lawyer in Chicago. He came back and he's like, you know, coach, I you know, never, you know, played a little for me, obviously, but then went to school, got his degree and, uh, you know, and now he's a lawyer, you know, and it's awesome. He's telling me about his cases and it's just, it's really cool. So that to me, that's like, you know, that's my job. Right. And then coaching the kids that are going to go to the next level and play. That's also something about, we, we always talk about, we want our kids to go to college and play, but we also, the big thing is we want our kids to go to college and represent the teams at media days. That's a big deal. So we work on how you deal with the media. We work on how you talk and, and communicate. Um, Robert Woods and I went on CBS News and sports and different things and did interviews, and we worked on that because we felt like he was such a dynamic young man that he had a chance to, to earn a career after he's done, which, and that's kind of happening, right? So that's part of it. So that's kind of a thing, and we've had, and I don't have the numbers offhand right now, but we've had a lot of young men represent their school at the media day. To me, that's, a, that's not just about being a good football player. That's also about you're, you're good enough to represent the entire program. Yeah, and you touched on a little bit of uh, something that I wanted to talk about. We, of course, 
we all know about Robert Woods. We all know about Adoree Jackson. We all know about all the players who have represented this program at a very high level on the national stage, on the football field. Not everybody knows a name. Uh, did you say his name was Titus Potter? Yeah, Titus Potter. Yeah, yeah. not everybody knows a name nope. like Titus Potter, but the fact is a guy like that is a part of the legacy of this program. And, you know, okay. just as a Robert Woods and a Dory Jackson, uh, Jackson represents Sarah High School on, you know, on national TV every right. Sunday, there's still a part to be played. What is the... What is the place in the legacy, in the history of this program, of a guy like Titus Potter and everybody else like him who's had that kind of success off the field? Well, so, so that's a lot of what we do. You know, for me, I talk, you know, we talk about, like, the, the, what it means to be a Sarah High School. We, we've had a lot of success with kids doing well at the next level. And a lot of it is because when they come here, they know that they're going to have to do a lot of things. They're not just going to be, oh, you're, we recruited you as a receiver. You're going to be a receiver, and then in the end, you're going to leave and go to wherever, and that's it. Now, here, I mean, for the most part, it's, you know, you're going to have to, you know, do your, get your stuff ready and do your stuff where no one's coming by and squirting water in your face during, the, during practice. You're going to have to go get it. You're going to have to do all that stuff. So there's a level of this is what you have to do, and then when you leave – a level of expectation for others. And I fully uh, promote my graduates to, you know, to message my players and to tell them, hey, if you think that they're not holding up the legacy, then let them know. If you, if you don't like the way they're behaving or this or that, let them know. And, and you have all the ownership in the world to do that. And, and that's kind of who we are. I mean, I've, you know, we, I'm sitting there and um, we're playing one of our games in, uh, early on and my quarterbacks are all chiming in like, on social media, hey, you know, he needs to do, do this, to, you know, we're, and that's what I want, you know, and I want them to, you know, to be a part of it. And so I think that's kind of part of the secret sauce to us here is that we really, you know, everyone talks about family and this and that, but we really have that tight knit because there's just not a lot of us. I mean, there's just, it's a small, small school. Well, and that's obviously part of what any family is, obviously right. showing love and support, but also being able to show that tough love oh, and yeah. hold somebody accountable when maybe they're not representing the program or the family as, uh, as, as somebody feels that they should be. Well, I mean, it's funny because I, like, Two years ago, I think Malik was a junior. We're playing in the COVID years. Our first game, we're playing Long Beach Bali, and they're doing something different. It was three years ago. And they're doing something different up front. We're, we're screwing up in the first half. We're struggling. And so I'm going to halftime. I'm working on my stuff, and my phone keeps blowing up. I'm like looking at it going, oh. And it was Doug Brumfield, who's the uh, starting quarterback at UNLV. And he's like, you know, give, give, give me the phone to Malik. And so I, I literally, I'm like, oh, here. I give him the phone, and there is Doug talking to Malik about, hey, you know, boom, 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 we're just, I'm, this is what I'm seeing, whatever, and then I take the phone back. I don't have to ask what he said because I know Doug knows what we want to do, and, but he was there, right there, and Malik was, okay, Malik, by the way, second half through for 300 yards, you know, and just kind of that, that was an interesting, you know, interesting kind of deal right at halftime, and I know my quarterbacks. I know the quarterbacks I've had in the past. I know that they know what we want, and he was going to make sure that Malik knew, and then I did my stuff with him, and, and then we went on from there. You know, I'm actually cracking up because I'm thinking of uh, the movie The Blind Side and the scene where uh, Sandra Bullock's on oh, the yeah, stand. Yeah. She calls the coach on the field in the middle yeah, of the game. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that happened in real life. I thought that was just in the movie. Well, normally I don't, I don't get a chance to look at my phone, but, man, it, Doug was pretty persistent. So I finally said, okay, and then I gave it to, I gave it to Malik, and it, it worked out. That's great. Man uh, seems to know what he's talking about. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I can't believe that we are almost 20 minutes into this show, and we have not mentioned Roderick Pleasant yet. Yes. 
That guy is one heck of a player. We've been out to cover a couple of your games this season, and he's gotten an interception in each one of them. He's uh, he scored a touchdown, uh, a kickoff return touchdown in one of them, and you know that's just the yeah. the two games that that we at Canon Sports have the chance to right. to see him in person. So you know if you haven't gotten a chance to go out and see this kid play in person, give us the pitch about why you should. Well, I mean he is. Obviously, the speed is something else. I mean, one of the fastest um, uh, people in, in the country. I mean, ten one four or ten one six. I can't remember what it was last year. Ten one four, the California state record in the hundred meter. Yeah, so he uh, he can go, but he's a football player who runs track. I mean, I've said that before. Last year, he had a really bad ankle injury, and he played through it. Now, a lot of guys wouldn't do that. A lot of guys would say, you know. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look bad. I'm not at full speed. But he said, no, coach, if I can help the team, I'm going to go out there. There were games where he was limping everywhere, but just his presence made a difference. So he's a really tough kid. Um, we've had some injuries on the, in the defensive backfield, so I haven't been able to use him as much on offense. But, um, wow, he, uh, the, t- the times I have used him, he's been very successful. I mean, he had a uh, – uh, like last week, he had three touches and two touchdowns. So on offense, <laughs> it's a pretty good ratio. Three so, touches, two of them went for touchdowns. Yep, two of them went for touchdowns. So, you know, the idea is that, and that's something we, as we get healthier, the more he'll see of offense, that's kind of the, the idea. But with, you know, the teams we play, you can't hide, you know, um, and like say, okay, we'll rest on defense. while the, No, no, they're going to, you're going to be threatened every play. So we had to have, and we had just very little uh backups at the time so we're getting more healthy so he'll he'll play a lot more but he's just a he's a shutdown corner with the ball in his hands he's electric um he's just yeah and he's just a great kid too you know with all that he's the first one he's like coach uh, uh, you know well I, I what do you need me to do blah 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 I said I need you to be a decoy on this play and he goes I love it and he man he sells it like nobody's business and then so, that, yeah, you, that's the kind of kid you want. Shut down corner, versatile enough to, to play offense and return kick kickoffs, a threat to score every time he touches the ball, runs track and does it very well. Sounds a lot like another guy that you coach, and I know that, uh, that a couple of others on your mind as well. Right. Sounds a lot to me like a Dory Jackson. I'm sure that's a comparison that you get a lot. Having coached yeah. both of them, describe the, the similarities. So it's interesting because a Dory... Like, same kind of thing. I used Dory a lot on offense, and and he was just uh, lights out. I mean, he's known for that state championship play where he does a flip over everybody into the end zone. And, I mean, he he just – and such a great person. I mean, like, Dory is just one of the – yeah, just the thing I miss most, and I tell people this all the time. I mean, for sure you got this elite corner, offensive threat, whatever. But the thing I miss the most when he left was his practice enthusiasm. The guy was like the br- the brightest light in practice. All, you know, just such good energy, positive, and, and man, we fed off it for four years. I mean, he was so, like, you know, part of it. And, that, and when he left to go to college, it was like, oh, man, what's different with practice? Well, Adore's not here, you know? Adore just, like, everybody, you know. Pat, patting people on the head and doing all the stuff and having just so much fun. So that's the kind of person he is. And, and he's, you know, he's going to be successful. He is successful um, with that attitude. He's amazing. So Roderick's very similar. I mean, he has a lot of, um, um, uh, you know, similar qualities as far as his, uh, his speed and his, his athleticism. Um, you know, he, you know, for me, he's kind of one of those guys who we, I don't even know like what he is. I remember, um, 
you know, like some of the coaches are asking me, is he offensive or defense player? I say, well, he, you know, corners are hard to find, so usually that's where people will put him. But, I mean, you put the ball in his hands, and he's, he's a tough, tough out. So, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's exciting. I mean, he's – he you know, and he – by the way, the other thing that's great about um, Roderick is he really appreciates the history, right? He talks to Adore. He talks to he, – he appreciates that. He respects it, and he wants to do right by them. So the two of them do oh, have yeah. a relationship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like he um, – Adore's come up a few times, and, and – uh, last year they were you know running the track and doing some stuff and so it's oh absolutely and and the dory's been great you know and dory will you know he came to one game last year and he he was like you know giving him some pointers on the side you know just like hey you know this is what you're looking at and and that's it and that was the thing about a dory such a technician even though he could you know he made a mistake he could catch up and like no no time flat but he just knew as the more you go the further on you go the harder that's going to be so you might as well learn it now and get it down now yeah, and if I'm a guy like uh, like Roderick, I can't think of a better mentor to have in that situation than than Adori to have yeah. that to have that in your pocket, or really any yeah. young player on this team. Sure. I hope uh, yeah. I hope they're all aware of how uh, how special it is to have that guy and so many of the other alums yeah. of uh, of this program. Well, last year during the state title run, uh, Robert Woods uh, bought the whole team beats to wear on the bus down to to to, to have on the bus going down to Orange County. I mean, it's very generous. And then after the season. Adori bought all the championship rings for everybody. So That's awesome. So, I mean, it was just like, and I didn't ask him. They just did it. It was just, you know, just kind of something you do, so. That's awesome. And it certainly says a lot about, and you touched on that earlier, the, the pride that they have in yeah. this program and how it really oh, yeah. is. A, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a lifetime involvement. It's not just for the four years that no. you're in high school. No. So we talked about uh, both of them ran track. So I want to pose this to you. Roderick, like we said, California state record holder in the 100 meter. 10.14 seconds. Adori, his college best was 10.38. Okay, throw those numbers out for a second. You, you know it. You know it's coming. You coached them both. High school Adori, high school Roderick. Who wins the 100 meter? Oh, well, I, I, so I, I wouldn't put anything past Adori. Um, the guy was so competitive. The only guy I've ever seen be really, really competitive, like really competitive, and have the opponent, like, just be happy that they played against him. Like, it was the craziest thing. Like, he would do things and that other guys would try to do afterwards with some show, they would call it showbunny. But when Nadori did it, it wasn't. It was, like, somehow okay. I mean, he's just... Yeah, when he did it, it was just athleticism. It was just, no, but it was just, like, (laughs) he was just, but, you know, he just was, like, accepted that everybody loved him and they'd be taking some guy that he just tormented all game is now taking selfies with him after the game. And it's, like, you know, that that kind of thing. So, Nadori would do anything, you know, to, to be successful. But I don't know if... Adore could ever get up to 10-1. I mean, that would be tough. I think uh, I think he would have trouble getting those uh, two-tenths of a second out there. I mean, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, as far as, like, uh, I've never seen any human being quick jump better than Adore. Like, he could be in the middle of a 10-200-looking thing and then spring up, and he was like a like a jackrabbit in the Crazy. air. Crazy. And that, that was nuts. Yeah, his, his athleticism. I don't think I've ever had an athlete like Adore. So talking more broadly about football players who run track, I was taking a look at this study. I want to run some numbers by you. So uh, admittedly, it's a four-year-old study. It was done in 2018, and it looked at U.S. Army All-American and Under Armour All-American participants. And the study found that of all the athletes who participated in that game, at, or those games at any position, 77% of them played multiple sports, 62% of them ran track, and specifically among 
running backs, wide receivers, and DBs, more than 80% of each of those position groups ran track. What do you make of those numbers? Because I know you've had a few of those guys who fall into that mold. Well, I mean, that's one of our like mantras here is you're going to be a multi-sport athlete. I mean, we only have 180 boys in the school. We wouldn't have other sports if we only specialize in one. So, I mean, I send all my DBs and my wide receivers, my backs, they all go to track after the season. I mean, they don't have a choice. So you make it a point to I have make them it, run Oh, track. no, it's, and, and then if, or if they play baseball, then they go to baseball or the basketball, whatever. If you don't play a sport, then you're with me, you know, in the off season. But it's, we, we need, with a school of 180 boys, you need multi-sport athletes. We encourage it. I know this is the uh, era of the single sport specialization. That's not us. I can't, I can't like, think of a better thing than for a young man to, have a, to make a free throw in the 10 seconds left in the game to win the game and how that's not going to translate to the football field, right? That's obviously going to translate. So to me, I want them playing multiple sports. I think it improves their overall athleticism. I think when kids um, specialize, I think they end up adding more injury to themselves because they're doing the same, same muscles, the same thing all year round. And I also think they don't improve their athleticism. They become really only athletic in the things that they do in that sport. So I'm all for it. I mean, we encourage it. We want it. We get them, you know, we just we just had our first rugby meeting for this year. You know, we're trying to get everybody and everything, something, something else. So it's big for us. Like you said, even though we are in the era of the single sport, even now the top football athletes in the state uh, this year, they do, a lot of them still do play multiple sports. Obviously, we talked about Roderick, who runs track, DeAndre Moore, wide receiver down at Bosco, he runs track, Nico, the top-rated quarterback out of Warren, you know, he may be just as dominant on the volleyball court as he is on the on the football field. So even though sports have been shifting more in a way of specialization, there is definitely a lot of merit to, you know, you play multiple sports and you're going to have a big chance to succeed. Oh, we, we want that here. I mean, but that's, uh, you know, I know a lot of sports would love to have their kids 24-7, you know, the whole the whole year, but I don't see it. I, we, we do our best to get them to other sports, and, and that's just, you know, I, I don't think you can. Those numbers you gave just they tell the story. Yeah. So before we move on from uh, from this topic, obviously a guy like Roderick and before him Adori is just a matchup nightmare. You know, no matter where they are on the field, offense, defense, special teams, they're really a guy that you cannot take your eyes off of. You cannot, uh, you know, you need to game plan for. And I'm sure you're lucky to have them on. Uh, on sure. You feel lucky to have them on your sideline, not anybody right. else's. To that end, who in your coaching career on the opposing sideline? was a matchup nightmare like those guys are for you. Oh wow. There's <laughs> it's been a lot. I mean, so many. I mean we um you know we had uh, uh you know a bunch of great you know with Long Beach Poly we've had you know we went up against uh, Juju and we went up against um you know just a bunch of the, the different guys for them. I mean generally speaking, like when you play a lot of good teams you look at you go, wow that guy's really good. So um, you know, uh, um, you talk about Nico and uh, Warren. He, you know, we've done that now twice with him. He's tough, tough guy to, to deal with. Uh, yes, it's a lot. I mean, you know, we uh, and that's the fun part about playing. I love playing great teams. You know, great coaches, great teams. You know, when you when you get a you get a team that you know you're going to have to be perfect on. Um, I, I mean, that just makes it all that much better. So, you know, just those names. I, I guess I don't I don't know anymore. I, just off the top of my head, there's so many. I'm old. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. the, the Southern California football landscape is oh, so yeah. rich with talent. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's a new one every year. I'm sure there's guys uh, that you could name this year that, sure. uh, that oh, come to absolutely. mind. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so getting into your your career and, and coaching generally, being at the same institution, uh, you know, 28 years, 23 years as, uh, as the head coach, obviously players only come through in four-year cycles. So at the high school level, you know, there's no such thing as a Brady-Belichick pairing, you know, right. a coach and a star player who's together for, you know, sure. two decades essentially. But even then, you know, what impact can you have uh, at a program over multiple decades like you have that an equally talented, equally accomplished coach can't do in a shorter time? Well, I mean, the one thing is, is it's, it's culture, right? So if you create a culture where everyone knows what they're doing and uh, they kind of like, you know, we're going to be different. Like I'm a, I'm a coach who believes my, my mantra is, you know, if it ain't broke, break it because eventually it will, right? So I want to stay ahead of the curve. So we're going to do different stuff all the time based on our talent. But if you create a culture in your program where people know what they need to do as far as what's expected, then you can have a Brady-Belichick type thing. It's just a bunch of Brady's, you know, in a row. And and you get, like we did with quarterbacks, like I told you with Doug and, and Malik. I mean, Doug's telling Malik, you know, hey, um, I don't know what you guys are running this year, but – you know, this is what's happening. Let's, you know, get our eyes on this and that and doing that stuff. So um, that's what you can do. And, and um, you know, for me, when we when we talk about our program, we started, you know, my first year, I think we were Division 11. You know, we had 40 kids in the program. We were, you know, we had to move move up gradually. We got really, really fortunate to coach a lot of great players. But I, it's culture all day. You know, once you establish that, what you expect – um, we're not, I'm not one of those, you know, real tight coaches who is like, oh, you're going to do this and do that. I want the kids to express themselves. I want them to have fun playing football. I want them, I think you get your best out of them when they have, um, you know, when they, when they feel confident and they feel good and they're happy. Um, so, so they know that and they know that's kind of who, who I am. Um, so, you know, I think it all establishes a culture that can be successful and that's why we've, we've done well done better some years than other years but in the, for the most part we're going to be a tough out when we play someone i do love that uh, mantra of if it ain't broke break it yeah it's going to happen i mean nothing stays forever so um, we want to stay ahead of the curve that's our idea you know you got to stay ahead of the curve you got to be you know because again one of the things we do too is we play great coaches that's the other thing and and that's why i love that the chess game um and so when you get a great coach um, you know, we're playing Bishop Amat the other week and, and we had a really good plan and we were being successful. Then they came back and they made an adjustment and they were successful. Then we came back and made another one and they, and it's just, and I go over it afterwards. I think, Oh, what a, you know, that was fun, you know? And, and, and so you have to be ready to go and, 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 and make the changes. Yeah. And you talk about adaptation and making adjustments that leads uh, perfectly into another topic I wanted to bring up. So we obviously, have had several different coaches on this show of several different backgrounds and, you know, several different levels of experience. And a lot of those guys have been on the younger side of coaching, guys like David Machuka over at Chaminade in his first year, Romeo Pelham and Evan Yabu at uh, Milliken and Thousand Oaks, respectively, who have, you know, only been head coaches for, for a very short time. And uh, when I spoke with Evan Yabu, one thing, I, I talked to him about kind of the, benefits and detriments of his relative youth to his coaching peers. And one thing that he pointed out as a plus was he said that, 
you know, being on the younger end of the coaching spectrum, spectrum allows them to kind of be more in tune with some of the new adva- uh, newer advancements of the profession and uh, embrace of technology, biometrics and movement tracking. You know, he incorporates like holistic and spiritual methods into the training program, which are, you know, words that you don't usually hear very often in a football context. So, you know, what I wanted to ask you, what are some of the more significant ways that you've seen the coaching profession adapt over your time here? And what's been your experience adapting to those changes? Well, it's a a good question because to me, that's kind of the, that's everything, adapting to something, right? So we, you know, and I'm an older coach, so, but I'm not, no one would ever accuse me of being set in my ways, right? That's just not, that's not me in general. So we do yoga. We have a wonderful uh, yoga teacher, Sarah Howard. She does, I mean, she's amazing. She takes our program. We do that, you know, once a week. We, we spend, I, I do as much as I can with technology all the time because I don't know and I want to know, but I understand it's out there. But you look at a guy like Nick Saban or stuff like that, they're, they're ahead of the curve. They're because they are forcing themselves to be ahead of the curve, right? So, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, we're not uh, struggling programming our VCR, you know, like grandma and grandpa back in the day, but we're, uh, we're, we're looking to it. But, you know, it, 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 the one thing you do, and I remember when I was a young coach, is you make mistakes, you learn from mistakes. When you're older, you hopefully learn from the mistakes you made and you keep you recognize when you're going down a chance to make another mistake. That's a big, big thing, right? You're like, okay, so something's not right here. And, and sometimes that helps, you know. But, I, you know, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, I'm not as uh, energetic as uh, I once was. I'm a little bit older. Uh, but I, I hire young coaches, you know, so that they're doing that as well. Um, and I think that's the cool thing about football and coaching football is it is a chess match. And you do have young guys like that. And then older guys like me, and then, um, you know, you're going at it, and they have a different look about it and a different way they do it. And I think that's great. I think it's neat when you have, um, you know, just different ways people do things. You know, I think that's, that's cool. Yeah, and to reflect again on another thing you said uh, to that end in, in the interview was something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing, something like, every corner I turn, I come across something that, I wish I knew two years earlier that yeah. would have made my life easier. Sure. So you talked about uh, some of the mistakes that, that you made as a young coach and some of the lessons that, that you learned. Uh, what were some of those important lessons that you learned along the way that, you know, like him, you, you wish you knew two years earlier? Well, first off, I thought, you know, I thought I was an offensive genius and uh, everything. I thought that that's what mattered. And um, it does offense and defense and having good schemes really matters. But what matters more is your relationship with your players, because those are the ones that are going to do it. So you give me any offense or any defense. If you have a great culture and you have a great group of uh, coaches who are getting across the message that you want, you're going to be successful. So I think early on, as most young coaches do, we think it's about us. We think it's about our schemes and our whatever, but in the end you can call the greatest plays and I've had great games and we haven't won. And then I've had games where I've been feel like I you know, didn't do a great job. And, and you know, we, well, we won a lot. You know, you get the idea. So, you know, you don't always – the results don't always match what happens. So it's, but the uh, being able to adapt, right, and get the win at the end is what matters. And so, um, you know, you, 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 you don't – you know, uh, you, know you, you want to learn um, and you want to keep learning. I think that's the thing. I, I, I don't – I think a lot of people get – uh, lulled into the sense that okay there's a finish line I know what I know I'm good let's make it happen it's like well 
you know, who knows, right? You get, you run into somebody doing something different and you're like, okay, well, that's new. How am I going to adjust? So, you know, I think it's a mindset. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, some of those players that you've uh, put in college and at the NFL level. Uh, right off the bat, one thing, if you take a look at the uh, list of players who have gone on to have really standout careers, as of late, there is very much a Sarah to USC pipeline. You know, we talked about guys like Adorian and Robert Woods, also guys like Deontay Burnett and Marquise Lee and, uh, and, and several others. Is it just a matter of USC being right in the backyard, or how did how did that uh, how did that sort of pipeline as you were? Well, it's it's brutal because I'm a UCLA graduate. That's and, what I understand. Uh, yeah. Your dad played there, yeah, right? My dad played there. I was a walk on quarterback there. It's just it's brutal. I mean, I I mean, it's hard. But in the end, I want my guys to go where they want to go. You know, and at the time. Um, you know, it was Robert, I think, would be the first bit. Well, no, Rasheem Green. No, that was after. But we had Deshaun Harris, some other guys. They went to USC, and um, SC was the was the guy, you know, with Carroll and those guys and coming off that whole deal. And um, they got, you know, they got really good players of ours. And and then, they, you know, my guys are used to being in that family culture where the next guy does the next thing. And so Marquise, it was only natural for Marquise to follow Robert and George Farmer, to follow, you know, and um, Deontay to follow, uh, you know, Marquise, and then Adori to follow Deontay. They all played together, you know, so um, at different times. And so that's kind of what happened. Um, I, you know, I wish it didn't because <laughs> it made it hard when I'm watching the games and, uh, you know, trying to get my Bruins to win, and it's my players that are doing the damage. Um, but, you know, in the end, as a coach, you want them to go where they want to go. Uh, but right now, you know, we got Devin Kirkwood's doing really well at UCLA. So. Yeah, I was going to say, this yeah. has to be a fun year yeah. for, for you because you've got a few players on yeah. that team, and they're and, having a heck of a season. And Max Williams is at SC, so he's having a good year. So that'll be fun when those two play against each other. But it's, you know, it's in the end, like our thing is, you know, we want our kids to be happy. We want them to go where they want to go. We want, you know, and if it happens to be SC, then, you know, so be it. So, I mean, but, um, you know, it, it, it's fun. Well, I'd imagine through that through that chain of guys that uh, that follow one another to a program like USC or or anywhere else, there's a relationship that comes for you with the coaching staff, with the recruiters. What's uh, what's what's that like? What's your communications with the guys over there? Well, it's you know, I mean that's part of the job, and we're very you know we we really work hard to you know have good relationships with college coaches because in the end. You want them to see and, and, and be exposed to and understand. Uh, but I, will, I never, you know, I never lie to college coaches. I always tell the truth. I'm, they know that they can count on me to give a, an accurate assessment, even the, the parts that aren't as good. Um, and I think that that helps us out. But in the end, I, I tell this to my parents. I tell this to everyone. Recruiting comes down to the, the player themselves, you know, uh, what they put on tape, what they put in the classroom. And even if I have the greatest relationship in the world, with like Chip Kelly and I have a great relationship. He's a, he's a you know, offensive genius. He's a fantastic coach. And I, t- I talk to him all the time. Um, but if that player doesn't fit their program, they're not going to take him just because they like me. You know? So they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna take the guy that fits the program. And I don't, I don't begrudge them that at all because it's their job in the end. right? So a person is going to you know, do what's best for them and their job rather than what they what I want them to do. Because, of course, I'd want all my kids to go play everywhere, but that's not the way it is. So what I tell my guys is, you know, have your work done in the classroom, be ready to go, um, have great film, 
you know, have a great motor, work your butt off, and then, you know, just, and then exude that personality that you have, and, and you're going to be, you know, you're going to have a lot of people looking after you. When a program has a coaching change, obviously USC just uh, just went through that last year with the transition from Clay Helton to Lincoln Riley. Does that affect you in any way with the relationships that you have formed no. with the previous uh, staff? No, I mean the only thing that affects me is my phone's a mess because it you know <laughs> it says you know Lincoln Riley Oklahoma when he calls and uh, you know it's like all over the place every every guy I don't know if any one of the schools are correct because coaches go everywhere so like I you know I always put like you know their name and what school they're in but it's, I can't even keep up because everyone's moving around a lot so no I mean you just know that what I want them to know is that if the kid comes out of Sarah that he's gonna he's gonna be a competitor he's gonna compete and he's gonna be a good person and, and all that stuff and I think that that's been the case I think that's why we've done well with recruiting um, but not really. I mean, whichever school, who's ever there, you know, whatever they, whatever their goals are, and what it's it's interesting because sometimes you'll have a, a guy come in and he'll be a completely different, have a different like deal, like uh, like Chip Kelly and and Jim Moore could not have been any more different as far as the way they approached everything. And so, but both very effective, um, but just different. So you just you know, so you don't know what each one wants or whatever you know. So, I mean, Chip Chip's uh, like measuring kids like index finger gap between their way you know and then demora was just like hey you know what's going what do you, on what do you learn by measuring somebody's index i don't finger know gap? i don't know maybe it wasn't the index finger, but something <laughs> i don't know but but it's he's oh, oh man talk about staying ahead of the curve chip is that guy i mean he is he's so advanced in everything he does and um so but that but that's big for them like they want to know that the, the measurables and different things like that also match up so it's just interesting, you know, and, and Jim, Jim Mora was a, more of a feel guy. Oh, that's a kid. I like this kid, you know, da, 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 yeah. and it may be, you know, so, so it's just different. You know, everyone's different. You just kind of adjust as, you know. So moving up the ladder now to, uh, to the NFL level, <laughs> before the show, we were trying to verify the, the number by my math. I believe uh, you have played a role in putting 17 players in the NFL. I guess that's kind of a good problem to have that the number's so big that you don't know it offhand. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's, you know, I, I would love to say that they came in here, you know, unable to walk and chew gum, and now they're free NFL players. But a lot of it is God-given. I mean, they just amazing talent, um, great families, great work ethic, just a knack. We've started them on their path, you know, maybe, and – and then they've gotten there. But it takes a special person to be able to play in the NFL. And not just talent on the field, but, you know, mental ability and uh, just just a, a, a grit that it just, it's just, it's insane. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of those guys have really carved out great standout careers for themselves. Right. Um, multiple guys who were first or second rounders. Robert Woods just got himself a Super Bowl ring. When you think of all the guys that you have helped put at that level and everything that they have accomplished, what, not necessarily any one accomplishment or one person's accomplishment, but what stands out to you? You know, you are most proud when one of your players does what at the NFL level? Well, you know, makes it and and can play or keeps fighting. I mean, I have guys right now, I have Tyler Hall, who's been going from practice squad. I was with Khalil Tate the other day. He's still fighting to get in there talented kids who just want to play football as their career 
Um, and Deontay Burnett is still trying to, you know, he was there. He had a cup of coffee here, there, and then, and he's still trying to get on there. Just, I, I just love that 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 this is the career they've chosen, and they're going to keep fighting and getting there. I'm just, you know, those guys make me real proud. You know, um, uh, and then of course, you know, Robert and Adori, the way they give back and the way they, the, you know, they they're just great human beings. I remember I sat with um, uh, Sean McVeigh at, at Robert's wedding, and he explained that one of the biggest reasons why. They went after Rob, wasn't just his talent and all that, but it was just his locker room presence and all the stuff they heard about him as a person um, and how that was such a big deal, you know. And I think that affected that, you know, because I think they did a by trading him and not cutting him. It's I think they really respected Rob for that, you know. And and um, so you know, I think that's neat, you know, when you can, and they and then I can talk about him to my team and my team and my and the alumni can look and say, hey, there's a Sarah guy, you know, stuff like that. So, and those guys all come back and, and contribute. Yeah. Oh, and, and and just even, you know, just to come back and be here. You know, I just, like, I want my guys to see what it looks like. You know, this is what it takes. You know, this is how much you got to do to um, to be to be, be successful. And, and those guys, Rob and, and, the, and, and the Dory Marquis, they always come back. And whenever I ask them, you know, if they're able, they'll, they'll be there and they'll do a youth camp or whatever. And just, you know, they, just because they, they believe in the mission here, too. You know, so... Yeah, and you said it uh, right at the top of this segment that so much—I mean, almost almost all of the credit goes uh, goes to them for the the ability they have, the right. talent that they have, the work that they're able to put in. But you definitely have a part to play in helping them get to that next level. What do you view that part as? Uh, you know, I just I want them to try to maximize their potential. You know, that's the thing. I, I, there are some guys that I, I know I have not been as successful with. I think that I've been like God. I don't know why I couldn't reach that kid and get all this amazing talent. I couldn't get it out enough. But a lot of them I was able to, you know, and, and not just me, my, my coaching staff. My coaching staff has been almost the same for the past, like, 12 years. So that's really cool. Um, but just having them, you know, be able to, to, to um, get to the next thing. Like, I, I had a great uh, young man yesterday came. His name Malik Roberson. His nickname was Red Bull. He's a running back. And as a sophomore, I'm talking – one of the one of the top sophomore running backs in the nation. Like guys were telling me, I mean, he was another like 10, 200 meter guy in the in the hundred. Amazing kid. Uh, and they're like, man, if he was, and he was just after a sophomore year. If he was a senior now, he'd be our number one running back on the board. Well, that spring, he long jumps for the state title and tears his ACL, hmm. LCL, MCL, every L you got. He tears them all. And that kid fought his way back. Missed his next season, came back as a senior, noticeable limp, still got a scholarship to San Jose State, had a, had a decent career there, but now he's running uh, after-school programs for kids. Uh, he's, he's got his own business. He's doing really well with it, and he came yet by practice yesterday just to say, hey, and, you know, what's going on? What's, and I just I can't be more proud of him. You know, like he's just an, an amazing person. He can do a lot of things, but he's giving back. You know, he's giving back to the community. He's running after school programs. He's doing great things. So that's the kind of thing that, like, I look at and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I, I think we helped him with his determination and, and not giving up when, when – I mean, he was – you know, he had so much that he lost because of that injury. And yet here he is today, successful. Yeah, and that's awesome. And that goes back to what we talked about at the at the very beginning of the show. No matter whether you're on the football field, off the football field, you're you're representing this program and right. hopefully, especially in a case like that, doing it doing it well with, with 
great values and setting a great example. Before we go, um, we talked about your season outlook and uh, looking ahead to the postseason. I want to talk about the Mission League more broadly. Uh, It's been a heck of a year for the Mission League, going back to the very beginning. Sierra Canyon was admitted uh, prior to this year. It's been kind of an up-and-down year for them, kind of a tale of two seasons. Started off a little bit slow, really picked it up toward the end. Chaminade is undefeated um like i said this is going to be airing the week that you that you play them i think back to a conversation that i had on the show with Tarek fatel the uh, sports writer for the la daily news and we were talking about the mission league's ability to mix it up was the uh, was was the term he used right. you know this conversation every year who can mix it up down in the trinity league and you know if you look at the results in the season you guys played orange lutheran to you know to within one point Chaminade beat J. Sarah. Sierra Canyon came within, I believe, a, a possession of beating J. Sarah. So it's definitely, you know, there, there's definitely the potential for some some big upsets and for the Mission League to really make some noise in uh, in the postseason. What do you think? Oh yeah, I, and that's one of the best things. I, I remember I was just um, um, talking to uh, uh, John, the head coach at Sierra Canyon, um, before our game, and I was. You know, tell them that it's a great league because you see different teams, you know. You just see and, – and they're all good. They're all well coached. But you're going to see, a, a you know, a Bishop Amat who's going to put two, three tight ends in there and just hammer it out at you. And then, and then, But also have some, some really clever stuff that they do and play really hard. And, and, and you know, then you're going to go to Chaminade. They generally will be more spread out and do some different things. And then we're – Based on what we have, you know, it could be whatever any year. So it's a great. Alamany has been yeah, one of the Alamany wild. Alamany was well, well this year, yeah. But um, in the past, Alamany's had such talent. It's it's one of those things where you know it really does help you in the playoffs because like you're going to see, oh, this is a Alamany type team, or this is a Notre Dame type team, or this is a, you know that's what you're going to get, you know. And um, and he agreed. He's like, it's yeah. He goes, but. The every week thing's tough, you know, like you're not like even when you think you're a, um, like we played Notre Dame and and we're thinking, OK, well, we should probably beat these guys. But I mean, they're really well coached and they did a really good job of hanging in there and um, and uh, made it a really close game. And so we you know, we know that and people are like, oh, I'd you only beat them by a touchdown. I'm like, well, they're good. You know, they got good players and they you know, and we're young. So that's what's going to happen. So so it is the Mission League is a is a really good league in a lot of ways. A, a way more it's a it's it's high level but very balanced right i mean even your you know whoever comes in last they're going to be still a team that can beat you right now i know the trinity league obviously has those two uh two monsters in it and uh, i don't know if anyone beat them but um but the rest of them you know they that's tough you know they gotta they know that those two games are going to be really hard and and then they're playing for the rest so that's not the case in the mission league any year any i mean it can be anybody so uh, I, I like that. I think that's cool. Well, it's definitely going to be a thrilling close to the regular season, and I'm sure an exciting postseason as well. Uh, want to wish you the best of luck as we uh, reach the conclusion of the 2022 season. You want to shout anything out before we go? No, I just you know appreciate it. I, I'm a big fan of uh, these podcasts and things like that. I think it's great for uh, highlighting high school sports. I think everyone, you know, it's a, it's a great you know, go to a game, see, see the sport. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I think uh, I appreciate you guys, you know, shining light on it. Appreciate that. And appreciate you for joining us. Head coach Scott Altenberg, Sarah High School in Gardena. 
And we want to thank all of you for tuning into the Canon Sports Podcast. If you haven't already, please remember to hit the like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Thank you once again to uh, Scott Altenberg and the Sarah Program for having us out here. And we will see you all next time on the Canon Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe and follow on Instagram at Canon Sports, TikTok at Canon Sports Official, and of course, canonsports.com for all your sporting goods needs.